Greetings, my name is Aaron, and I am the writer and creator of Mr. Eerie's Mystery Series. We are back from a month off, and I'm pleased to announce that over the next week, I'll be releasing the four very special Empty Book of Everything episodes that were previously only available to Enlist E subscribers. First, I wanted to sincerely thank everyone who supported the show through the Apple subscription service. I really do appreciate your support, and it meant a lot to me. But second, Mr. Eerie's Mystery Series is a one-man show written and recorded and edited all that by myself, and I found it really hard to keep up with the writing of the main show and with the subscription content. So I made the hard decision to remove that subscription service, and I am assured by Apple that anybody that was in the middle of a month will be taken care of automatically. And lastly, this move on my part created a problem because the four Empty Book of Everything episodes disappeared along with the subscription service. So in celebration of the holidays and as a thank you to all the listeners of Mr. Eerie's Mystery Series, please enjoy all four episodes of the Empty Book of Everything, starting right now with Bottle 14, Off to a grape start. Greetings, and thank you for your interest in becoming part of Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency. It's time for you to become familiar with a very important resource used by agents and enthusiasts everywhere to uncover the truth behind peculiar events, curious creatures, and hidden histories. This resource is called Mr. Eerie's Empty Book of Everything. It's a large book with an uncountable number of pages. To be honest, its size and popularity make it difficult to keep on shelves, both figuratively and literally. The contents of the empty book make for great reading whether you're in transit at a co-education facility or stuck inside Sal Mid's pepperoni pyramid. But, seeing as the book is hard to keep on shelves for reasons already stated, we thought it advisable to provide you with this audio companion to the empty book. While incomplete, and not nearly as messy as reading the real thing, we do hope this audio experience gives you the tools to avoid being suspended in slime, or digested by drool, long enough to join the ranks of our disturbing detectives. For those wondering, I am Agent Arbor Ash, the head speakoneer at Mr. Eerie's disturbing detective agency. During this installment of our audio companion to the empty book, I'd like to share with you a letter we received from agent trainee Dunwit Culpepper, whose experience in procuring an empty book is typical, and therefore a good place to start in your journey of understanding this remarkable book. Here is agent Slam Ramekin from the Dowd to read the letter in question. Well met. My name is Agent Sam Ramakan from the Dowd, and I've been asked to read this letter from Agent Trainee Dunwit Culpepper. Well, without further hoopla, here it is. Dear Mr. Eerie's Detective Agency, Department of Whoops and Daisies, according to a page in your empty book, I'm supposed to start messages to Eerie Headquarters with a clever rhyme that incorporates my operator number and the purpose for my communication. How's this? Your training book is dumb, says I, agent in training, 71. Now, let me explain why. Last weekend, I ventured out into the morning cold, wearing nothing but my pyjamas and a pair of wool mittens. 
With determination, I climbed up wooden boards nailed to the tree in our front yard to reach my treehouse. It's worth noting that neither my treehouse nor my regular house have heaters. The treehouse, at least, offers an excellent view of the sidewalk and driveway. This made it the perfect spot to await the local bookstore's delivery person. The delivery in question would contain one copy of the hard-to-keep-on-shelves training manual, Mr. Erie's empty book of everything. I'd made it my mission for the weekend to ensure that the delivery and the book inside didn't sit unattended on our porch for any longer than necessary. So, with anticipation building, I settled into my treehouse, watching the sidewalk below for my delivery. One cold English muffin later, I spotted a skinny man with socks pulled up to his knees approaching our house. Around his shoulder was a bag that seemed as well suited for carrying firewood as it did packages. As he turned from the sidewalk onto our walkway, my excitement grew. I sprang up with such speed that I hit my head on the treehouse ceiling. Ouch! With one hand on the ladder rungs and one on my head, I jumped to the ground from a few rungs up. The delivery man had only just produced the package from the bag when I snatched it from his hands. Thank you indeed, I said, opening, entering and closing our front door in one fluid motion. Inside our only slightly less cold house, I raced down the hall to my room and slammed the package down onto my desk. The brown wrapping paper was thick, and I nearly gave myself a paper cut while ripping it open. In hindsight, I should have cut the twine securing the package first, as leaving it on made it tough to remove the thick paper scraps. Only after tearing the paper and chewing through the twine did I notice a small tag resembling a label on a Christmas gift. It read, Pull tag to unwrap. I suppose this would have made opening the package much easier. Who knows? I didn't pull it. I was too eager to delve into what was sure to be a book filled with wondrous detective information. Boy, oh, blinkers, was I wrong. My copy of Mr. Eerie's Empty Book of Everything was, as the title suggested, empty. Sure, there were pages inside, lots of them. But there wasn't anything on those pages. Not a greeting or a credit to be found. I thought it was intentional at first, after all. Some publishers insert blank pages for reasons I don't understand. And even though the book's title contains the word empty, I thought it meant there was plenty of room to take notes or something. But when I flipped through the rest of the book, I found the entire thing was devoid of any content. Imagine how I felt, when there wasn't a single word or image on the pages of this hard-to-get-a-hold-of book. I went to bed feeling sad, confused, and a little angry. What I'd eagerly awaited weeks for had turned out to be nothing more than a giant paperweight, or so I thought. The following morning I heard a knock on our front door. I thought it might be our neighbour complaining about how loudly our dog barks, but Parker, our dog, was still asleep at the foot of my bed. I got up and looked through our front door's peephole, but there was no one there, so I grabbed my mittens and prepared to investigate further. The front door creaked and whined as I cracked it open. Out in the yard at the base of my treehouse, there was a package. It was smaller than the first, but wrapped in the same brown paper and twine. I took the package to my room. Having learned my lesson from the previous day, I pulled the paper label that read, Pull Tag. The string popped free and coiled itself in the air before landing on the desk. Then the paper on the sides of the package flipped out like a small gust of air had blown outward from inside. A second later, the wrapping paper's top crease, where the two ends were joined together, unfolded as if the tape holding them together had simply disappeared. The edges fell flat in front of me, and I could see what had been hiding inside. It was a white metal box about the size of a lunch pail, with diagonal red stripes across the bottom.
Above the red stripes in cursive writing, it read, Mr. Eerie's Anti-Invisible Soda Pop. There was an illustration of what looked like a happy milkman, but upon closer inspection, it turned out to be a detective delivering little bottles of what looked like soda pop to a group of kids, one of whom was holding a magnifying glass. My mittened hand slid around the outside of the box, searching for a way to open it. I found a metal crease along the left and right edges where the lid could be slid off. Inside the box, I found seven bottles of soda pop, but they weren't regular-sized. Each one was about the size of a juice box, but half the width and made of glass. Each bottle had a unique label indicating its flavour. I pried out each bottle and placed them on the desk before me. Just like a normal bottle of soda, these ones had caps to prevent the liquid inside from spilling. The bottle caps were silver with numbers on top. 14, 37, 62 and some others. The numbers weren't in any sort of order that made sense to me. Bottle 14, off to a grape start, was the only one with a gold cap. There were no instructions inside the box, or on the anti-invisible soda pop bottles. I had no idea what I was supposed to do with them, so I got out the completely blank field guide to check it for information. Perhaps there were instructions on the back cover that I'd missed the day before. A thorough flipping through of the book revealed nothing but the same empty pages. I looked at the bottles and read the labels again. Anti-invisible soda pop. Just then, I had an idea. If I drank the soda pop, maybe I'd be able to see the content on the pages. I grabbed the gold-capped bottle labelled Off to a Grape Start and tried to twist off the cap. The glass bottle slid around in my mittened grasp. The cap didn't budge. I tried grasping it tighter, but the bottle just kept spinning. I looked at the corner of my desk and remembered a trick I'd seen someone do at the ice cream parlour. With the bottle cap's edge hooked on the corner of my desk, I popped the bottle down with a firm hit from a mittened fist. To my surprise, the golden bottle cap popped off. The aroma coming from inside filled my nostrils, and it smelled delicious, like perfectly ripe grapes mixed with a dash of vanilla. I lifted the bottle to my mouth, ready to taste the ice-cold grape pop. Unfortunately, just as I tipped the bottle forward, it slipped out from my mittens and landed on the book. The sweet-smelling soda spilled all over the blank page, fizzing and foaming. Oh, drat, I said. That smelled delicious. I thought about soaking up the soda with my mitten and wringing it into my mouth, but before I had a chance, the fizz had settled, and the page had absorbed all the soda. A second later I noticed something. The page that the soda had spilled on was no longer blank. There were words and pictures on it. At the top, in big fancy letters, it said, Congratulations. Below that was a picture of a skull with two daisies on either side, followed by a short paragraph welcoming me to the detective training program. Below the skull was a schematic-like illustration depicting a soda pop bottle, similar to the one I had just spilled. According to this diagram, each bottle had a twisting pattern to easily remove the cap. Apparently, the twisting pattern for getting started grape was left, left, right, left. Better than smacking it on your desk, I thought. Below the schematic, there were several helpful paragraphs on how to use the anti-invisible soda pop. Information that stated a reader could choose any page take a few sips for themselves, and then spill the remaining onto any page to reveal its contents. There was also a warning that at least half the bottle was required to reveal content. Any less, and the information on that page would be incomplete. And that brings me to my complaint. Please tell me this. How is a reader supposed to reveal the directions if revealing the directions is required to read them?
It's like one of those Catch-22 things. The soda pop reveals the directions for using them. But if you've revealed the directions for use, then you already know how it works. I got lucky and accidentally spilled mine. But what about the other agents in training? What if they aren't as clumsy as me or they have heat? An ungloved hand might not produce the same prosperous accident that mine did. It seems to me that the first page should come pre-revealed with the instructions, so people know what to do before they have to do it. I will say I did find the other bottles delicious and extremely helpful. My favourite so far has to be the information flavour entitled Butter Slapple. Bottle 37 tasted of butterscotch and pineapple and revealed useful information on combating volcano jealousy during the holidays. I never knew just how few holiday parties volcanoes are invited to. I hope you take my advice regarding the instruction pages and send me a replacement bottle of Off to a Grape Start, considering I didn't get to taste that one. Also, if you know any lava monsters free for Christmas, let me know. We could use a little heat in the house. Thanks again. In questionable standing, agent in training Dunwit Culpepper, operator 71, Long Fork Heights, City of Stair Barble. Well, there you have it. That's one trainee's experience and complaints with receiving the book. While the chances of you obtaining a printed copy of The Empty Book of Everything are about as good as your chances of being shot out of a corndog cannon, and slightly worse than your chances of being shot out of a corndog cannon without getting mustard on your face, we do hope this audio experience will aid you in your pursuit of detective agency employ. For those wondering if Dunwit Culpepper's suggestions were ever implemented, I'm pleased to announce they were not. Part of the joy of becoming a detective comes from the methods used to acquire information. And the best kind of information takes a little bit of effort to unlock. We thank you for your interest in offering your services to Mr. Erie's disturbing detective agency and hope you've taken away something of value from this audio experience. If you haven't, then maybe this tip will help. Never try to open a soda pop while wearing mittens. You might open a door to all sorts of mysteries. See you in the next chapter. <laughs>